Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, joined by Mike Morton, the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and the owner of Morton Financial Advice. You're not just the owner. You're also, well, you're not really a client, but you listen to yourself. You listen to your own advice, uh, don't you? Sometimes. Isn't there something about the cobblers, kids have no shoes, something like that? Right. You you can't get good. It's like Coles to Newcastle. You can't. Do, you, do your own kids have like awesome financial planning habits? <laughs> they have zero financial planning habits. It's probably terrible. Listen, by the way, people, don't take this as bad news because like another one of these aphorisms is like, if both of your parents are psychiatrists, you're bound to be screwed up. I'm sorry for all our listeners out there that fit that description. I'm sorry. It's just, it's a thing. And I think if you're a talented financial planner, there's, there's a good chance that your kids are not going to follow in your (laughs) footsteps. But, but let's just say. Let's just say you want to try. <laughs> at, least, at least you want to try. What, I, what we thought, <laughs> yeah, you're going to give it the credit. All right, so look, what we thought we would do in this episode is talk about your kids saving for education and what are the best general practices. And I think we'll do that in this episode. We'll talk about the, the broad topic of how to think about saving for education and kind of like what's the 30,000 foot on that. And this might yeah. be good for parents, grandparents even who want to contribute. Look, if you're a young person, you even want to lend an ear to this because some of this involves your active participation. And then we'll do another episode and we'll get specifically into the savings vehicle that has been set up by the government for you to specifically save for education, the the 529 accounts. And you can listen to this as a two-parter, but hopefully when we're done with this, you will have the full toolkit and you will do better than Mike Morton's children in terms of saving for education. This is probably less for the young kids and more for the parents, I'm thinking. (laughs) They might throw a few hundred bucks in there, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Student loans, kids. Student loans, (laughs) yeah. It's time you learn some hard truths about life. That's so right. for everyone who does not want to turn this entirely over to student loans, who has any chance of making this yeah. not an entirely, you know, you're in debt to the federal government for the rest of your life type situation. Just kind of at a high level. Look, you and I are both parents. We're in the mode right now of this very much being on our <laughs> mind. So when you talk to your clients and they're in this situation too, how do you start talking about parents should think about saving for their future education costs for their children? So it com- that comes in the context of saving for all your future spending, right? So how do uh, you think as a parent about saving for your education is always competing against saving for retirement and your other goals? So it's definitely in that context, and it's hard to tease it out because should I save for more in my retirement account? Should I save more for my education? Um, I say retirement always comes first, more of a priority, because no one's going to loan you money for your retirement, but they will loan you or your student money for going to school. And so we always you know, work on that goal first and make sure that that's getting really well-funded. Now, 
The thing about that is it's really hard to tease out because there's all trade-offs. Well, I could work till 60 or 65 or 70. Well, that makes a massive difference. You know, five more years of income. So should you work five years longer and save for education or five years less, get into retirement and save a little less for education? So it becomes very kind of personal at that point. But we always start with the retirement, um, the things you need for especially living now, and in the future, uh, you know, uh, we've got goals. And so put it in that context, saving for education is part of it. And then how important that is uh, for you, the value that you place on priests for those education goals or paying for those education goals. Now, I imagine there are so many variables that go into everyone's individual situation, what your personal financial picture is already and what your job is, how much you make, how, what's your cost of living, all those things. But I imagine it's also super important, like, how many kids do you have and how old are they? <laughs> right. Yeah, it definitely is. And that's just in the context, like, if you have a child who's just born, well, we were just talking about compounding and getting started as soon as possible. In fact, you can do this for unborn children as well. Start saving for them um, and getting that compounding going. So that will definitely give you more of a head time that, you know, if they're going to school, uh, you know, here we are almost in the month of August. If they're going to school now, <laughs> then uh, you might be a little bit behind uh, on saving for them. So there's definitely the context of where to save, how much to save. But I also want to throw out this context because we don't have to make it super complicated for everyone either. Here's another way of thinking about it. If you don't have enough to save anything for college, you're just saving as much as you can for retirement and living now, then this question doesn't matter. You don't really have any extra to save. If you have so much, you can pre-save all of it, and that's important to you, then go ahead and do that. And this question, again, becomes pretty straightforward. Like, oh, great, I will just save all of it and be ready to pay for all of it and no problem. Most people find themselves in the middle. I probably can't save everything. I only have a certain amount I could save. So just save that amount. <laughs> you know, put it in there and save it. And your future self will be happy for whatever you saved. You're going to feel good now because you are saving towards something that is important to you. And you're doing as much as you can. So that's great. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. Now, all that being said from a high level, I think any parent out there will identify with kind of my next thought, which is I still want to know what ballpark we're talking about here, right? You, you just, you just kind of want to know what you're getting into. So I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy. I did for our kids a few years ago. I sat down and I just did a little bit of the math. It's actually not that hard to do as a high level. It's very easy to get wrong, but it's, it's you know, you're not going to be like, if you do a little Googling, you're probably not going to be insanely wrong. You'll get the, the ballpark. And boy, was it depressing. So I guess my next... <laughs> yeah, how was that evening for you guys <laughs> after you'd worked? I just said a number out there. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I want to actually, I was being a little tongue-in-cheek about how easy it is to get wrong. <laughs> to specify a little bit more, the problem here is that 
education inflation has been high. The cost of education, especially higher ed, has been going up at a faster rate, even than recent like inflation for everything else that we've all been living through. The the rate of inflation of the cost of higher ed has been sustained and high. And so you got to make some assumptions. And one of them is that rate of cost increase is going to continue into the future. So what I ended up doing was doing a conservative estimate, meaning I'm estimating on the high side, like, you know, what what's kind of mm-hmm. a bad scenario, just so I'm prepared. So the answer to your question is I kind of, I swung <laughs> a heavy bat at it and I was hopefully at least preparing us for the worst, but boy, it was bad. It was bad. So here's my question. It's a new question. Is this an exercise that you do with your clients, that you recommend that people do if they're in that in-between zone where it's like, you're not in the category of you have nothing to save. And you're not in the category of like, you're so rich that this is like, yeah, it's easy. It's a layup for you. If you're in between and you're mm-hmm. trying to just kind of know where you are on the how goes it curve, is this an important part of the exercise? I like to do it because like you found, it just gives, it doesn't give you comfort. What's the word I was thinking of? It doesn't really give you comfort, but it does give you a sense of knowing, you know, having more information and feeling good about the planning process, which is always what I want to do with my clients. Like some of the numbers can be scary, whether you have enough for retirement or not, whether you're ahead or behind on on saving for certain goals, maybe a down payment for a home um, or the education thing. You know, are you saving some now in for future expenses? It can always be a little scary, but I find that, you know, you go through the exercises you did, Matt, you get, you know, some numbers in front of you. And then it starts feeling better, even if it's still scary. It starts feeling better knowing where you are. You know, knowing is half the battle, maybe even right. a little bit As more. philosopher G.I. Joe used to say, knowing is half the battle. And yeah, by the way, right. winning half the battle means that you lose the battle, which is terrible. <laughs> but I, what I do... Yeah, Wait right. a minute. <laughs> just, just the worst advice ever. I will say that what I found it helped for is analysis. What it told me is worst case scenario, like my kids are high achievers and they go to the most expensive colleges that continue to have their costs increase at the current sky high rate. You know, what is that going to look like? And then what am I able to save? What is that gap? And what it began to do for me is as scary as the big numbers were, is it's kind of like the old aphorism, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so it let me know, okay, I can break this problem down into here's how bad it would look in the worst case scenario. Here's what it would look like if I were able to save just a little bit more. And then, okay, how do I do that? And so when I started to break it down and I started to think to myself, well, it's a huge difference for my kids if they have to take out a loan of X versus a loan of Y, which is way, way more than X. It's like, okay, this is manageable. And so anyway, I actually did find it to be a useful exercise for me, but that's just me. I think what I've found is exactly that experience. So I've had during that analysis, all kinds of results, right? From you'll have only have saved 10% of college costs up to over a hundred percent, but most are in the middle, you know? And I think it does provide a lot of comfort. We make changes. Some of my clients will make changes like, oh, I'll save a little bit more. Um, But a lot of them just find comfort in, okay, we know we're going to have saved 40% of potential future college costs. 
okay, that that's pretty cool. That's great. It's 40% that we're going to have. That's awesome or whatever it is. So I do think it's worth kind of doing an exercise. A couple other points that you said, the inflation of higher education has been out of hand. It's been about 6% a year for about 20 years, which really compounds. There is some idea that's coming down. Um, so it may not be as bad in the future. The other reason that inflation has been high for so many years is because of how few people pay the sticker price. There's been an arms race amongst colleges to have, you know, higher perceived value, i.e. the cost of our college. Um, but they give so many discounts, more and more discounts. And this was a model, I believe, I know some, some colleges in Ohio or somewhere started about 20 or 30 years ago. Oh, we're going to compete with these other schools and have this like perceived value. Here's how much it costs, but give massive discounts um, to a lot of students. And then it became this arms race. And there's some really good books and information about this uh, that have come out recently that I found pretty uh, insightful. Well, it, I guess that is kind of like finger-crossing exercise that maybe it won't be as bad. But, you know, look, I think that the upshot to me, just thinking about this from a high level, and we're here for your advice, not for my musings, but I think getting started, I, I hope people find this reassuring that there's a big difference. What you just said a moment ago, maybe you can say 40%. Well, there's a reason that if you're playing football, you'd rather it be third and five than third and 18 <laughs> because your chances of making it are a lot higher and there's a big difference between saving 40 percent and saving nothing and it it that plays out in the burden that your kids are going to face and also the options that they're going to have in terms of the places they're able to go and again hope is not a strategy but it's possible that your worst case scenario is not going to pan out and so all of these reasons, I, I think there is, there's real value to the exercise and kind of like a, a good news version of all of this. I, I don't want to get too, too bogged down in mechanics. If you're interested in mm -hmm. the specifics of, okay, I want to do a 529. Um, how do I set that up? What do I do? What do I think about? This is the show for you next time. We'll, we'll get into that in the next episode. So subscribe to this podcast you're listening to right now. You'll get it. But just from a high level, could you just walk us through maybe what are the kinds of accounts that you can use um, and what are the considerations here in in setting up and putting money into accounts? Yeah, there's definitely some different types of accounts that you can use for saving for future spending on education specifically. Uh, the Roth IRA, I will mention first because it's very overlooked for this. So if you have that compete, you really can't save a whole lot. And you also are looking at saving for retirement, having that competing goal. A Roth IRA should definitely be at the top of the list for funding, account funding priorities. You can look at the feed. We had a whole episode on that. But the Roth IRA shows up here because you can use it. You can pull the money back out from your Roth IRA if you have to and use it for education costs. So that one uh, I'll highlight right away. Of course, the 529 you just mentioned, we're going to have a whole episode on 529s. They're fantastic. There's other ones that have been used in the past, but the 529 is really trumping them now. There's the Covered All ESA accounts, and there's also EE Savings Bonds. Uh, these have been tools that might have been used a couple decades ago, but the 529s have really kind of outweighed them recently. And then you can just save in a checking or brokerage account, of course, because it gives you a lot more flexibility uh, to how you use that money potentially than education mm -hmm. specifically. So a couple of ones to look at, Roth IRAs, 529s, brokerage accounts. 
Well, and of course, for all of our Jewish listeners out there, you will recognize from your bar or bat mitzvah the fact that your grandma probably gave you a $50 savings bond for your future education expenses, and it sat in a drawer for seven years or 10 years or whatever the term was, and then you found it at one point, and you're like, hey, this is something, and you never did anything <laughs> with it. It's probably $51 now. <laughs> maybe you framed it. Anyway, we don't do things like that anymore. I'm just saying that because that used to be in vogue. That's what you got for your bar mitzvah. And uh, I don't, you know, although I will say, I will say, I got about a thousand bucks worth of those and I cashed them in and I used them. Swarthmore College got that value. So thank you to <laughs> everyone who came to my bar mitzvah. Um, <laughs> A couple other just ins and outs here. Again, this is all just high-level stuff. So you're you're going to set up. We'll, we'll get into more of this, you know, with five two nines. But you're going to set up one of these accounts, a Roth IRA five two nine, etc. Um, are you setting up one account? Are you setting up multiple accounts if you've got more than one child? Yeah, it really depends on which direction you're going. Okay, so like the five two nines would be multiple accounts uh, for those because you only have one beneficiary. So you got multiple kids. You want to have multiple five two nines. But checking a brokerage account, you could just lump all the money in your Roth IRA. You can only have one. Well, you can have more than one, but their contribution limits. Um, so you'd only have one Roth IRA. So it really depends on which type of account um, that you would use. And. One final question. It comes up all the time. People say, well, wait a second. Given what you described before, the situation where colleges are kind of monkeying around with, will assess exactly how much you're able to pay and make you pay ex- that exact amount. So it's like you're right. facing 100% tax on anything you save. Why bother? Like, you know, why not just hold back and get a ton of financial aid or whatever? I mean, any thoughts on that in general? Like, is it stupid yeah. to save anything? No, the other way around is a terrible idea to just blow all your money because you think you're going to set to spend it on college anyway. Uh, the reason why is your savings are counted at um, five or six percent uh, the contributions. I mean, it's not that much. Of course, it, you know it's counted. Yeah, it's a thing. The FAFSA and all of that, the family contributions, all of that is is definitely done. But do not go out of your way. Don't screw yourself by not pre-saving. So definitely save as much as you can. Uh, there might be ways of saving it in the right places, you know, for the FAFSA. But really, those guys do a pretty good job of finding everything. So there's not a lot of tips and tricks. I love the <laughs> you way know, you put that. Also, you're not going to escape the Reaper here. <laughs> so just, but it, that that's really interesting. Yeah. That you know, five six percent thing. So bottom line yeah. is, yes, save. Yes this is worthwhile. Yes, figure out where you're at. And if you want to dive into the 529 thing specifically, stay tuned for our next episode. Mike Morton, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's awesome. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or mortonfinancialadvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.